0: Christian, buddy, it is puck drop tonight. What do you think about that?
1: It is finally hockey season. And I'm finally actually very excited about it. And because last year, the Red Wings were going to be terrible. The Sabres are god-awful. Still will be. But that's not the point. But now this year, starting in 2021, I can actually watch hockey. Now you might ask could yourself, you not wait a minute. watch
0: hockey before?
1: Well, you might ask yourself, wait a minute, how could you not watch hockey before? Well, Chris, let me tell you. Americans don't like it. And so <laughs> it's not really readily accessible on TV unless you had the NHL network. So really prior mm-hmm. to this well, year. Okay. Now I have local TV, so I have the Sabers channel, much like I have like the Yankees channel, you know th- that type of thing. So I can still watch Sabers games, and every once in a while, because I have NBC, they have that like you know Sunday afternoon game, which yeah, always yeah, seemed yeah. to be like the Pittsburgh Penguins and Pittsburgh, Philadelphia Flyers, always, always Pittsburgh Philly on a <laughs> Sunday afternoon. But now the NHL has now signed this like seven year mega deal with ESPN, hmm. so ESPN. And ESPN Plus, which I own,
0: which is a streaming service,
1: correct? streaming service, correct. It comes as part of the Disney, uh, the Disney Plus bundle, if you want it, um, has like all the hockey games. So like, as of right now, now on opening night, there's a couple of games, but on the main ESPN network, it had the, it has the. Uh, like Penguins, Lightning, and then Kraken, Golden Knights. Like it has the two opening games on the main network. And then following that, there's all these games on ESPN Plus as well. So the ESPN family of networks. So ABC, um, I think even TNT has some hockey games as well. So they're getting into the hockey market, which is directly beneficial to me because now I can actually watch. <laughs> as opposed to just like looking at my phone and being like, Yep, Detroit lost again. Yeah.
0: yeah. But I now, do Now you can have... see them lose in high definition.
1: Absolutely. I can stream it and watch them suck uh wherever I go. On my phone, on my tablet. You know, it doesn't I matter. I saw a
0: great I saw a great thing from uh, Charles Barkley talking to Wayne Gretzky, I think it was yesterday or the day before on <clears throat> I, I think it was on TNT, so on one of these uh on one of these new platforms. They recently hired Gretzky as an analyst. Um, which I guess we'll get into another time, whether he's perfectly suited for that role or not. But Charles Barkley said very aptly, you know, Wayne, um, ten years ago, uh, I think I saw an NHL game on the outdoor network. I'm a rich man and I've never had the outdoor
1: network. <laughs> <laughs> it's true though, and it's like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, I guess, you know, money's money, right? So you gotta you got to pick what the people are going to watch, and apparently it's not hockey. So, uh, but now it is. ESPN has dipped their toe into the into the hockey market. But I have a a quarrel, right? A quarrel, not a quorum. A quarrel. Quarrel. Yeah. Quarrel. Like the- a thing that you're <laughs> upset
0: about, not yes. like a voting plurality. Okay. Excellent.
1: Oh no, I don't have a voting fl- uh, plurality. I just have a quarrel, um, which is on ESPN Plus. I was trying to find the. Uh, Kraken, so the first game of the Seattle Kraken franchise history um, against the Vegas Golden Knights and on my list of live sports on ESPN Plus Should be number one, obviously It was right. the 17th option
0: What? Like, what could possibly have been higher on that list, Chris? Well, I'll
1: tell you what was number 16 Bakersfield University Division Three Women's Soccer <laughs> Yeah,
0: man, America is a hockey problem. <laughs> and that really is no do. disrespect
1: really to the Bakersfield University, um, I don't even remember sure. who they were playing, uh, you know, soccer program by any means. But, like, sure. the first game on opening night of a sport, the first game of a franchise in their history, 17th. Yeah, that's pretty wild. I mean, yeah, like you say, no
0: disrespect to to Bakersfield, but they were probably like opening their ESPN apps and are like, what the fuck? Why is the Kraken game so low?
1: I mean, that's what I was asking because I was at first I was just like, wait, are you kidding me? I actually don't get these games? And then finally I was like, when do I stop 14, 15? All right, it's like now I'm just committed. I might as well just go to the end. Ah, there it is.
0: And there must have been a point at which you were thinking, well, it's clearly not on here, you
1: know? Well, that's what I, I mean. Like, at what, what, like, yeah, what university has to flash by you for you to be like, nah, it's not after this. Yeah, yeah, Like, yeah. so apparently it wasn't Bakersfield because I kept going. But uh,
0: it's interesting to me to think about hockey in, in the United States that it's so regionalized because I'm so, on one hand, I'm so surprised about what you're saying because to me, Buffalo, Western New York, Minnesota, Connecticut, you know, a lot of these places are pretty much as hockey mad as it gets. But, you know, I lived in San Diego, and I mean, it would take me a long time to, to find someone who followed hockey with, let's say, I'm not even going to say with intensity, because that's kind of unfair. I mean, I think a lot of the intensity that you and I follow it with is born out of the way, the way that we grew up. But let's just say someone who considers it their number one sport, right? Not someone who watches it in addition to the Padres or in addition to the Chargers. May they rest in peace. But, you know, someone who in San Diego saw hockey as their number one sport, super rare. And I think that is the challenge, is that I think hockey in America, like people are interested. You know, it's a very visually um, enticing sport. It's very interesting. A lot of, uh, you know, great athletes in it. I think it's a great TV product. Um, but if it's not if it's not your number one cultural thing, like the thing that you live and die for, the jerseys you have up on your wall, you know, it's, it's hard to it's going to be hard for people to sit down and watch 82 games and then correspondingly tough for advertisers to spend a lot of money on those people not watching those games.
1: And I think it's also like a national audience problem, right? Like everyone in Western New York, because we have local TV is going to be tuned into the Sabres or like you said, Minnesota, Chicago. I mean, even hell like Nashville recently has become like a huge hockey town, but outside of Nashville, Like nobody follows the Predators, right? Whereas I feel like you said the way that we were raised, even if our favorite teams weren't on, like you and I are going to sit down and watch like Coyotes Kings because it's the late game at 1030. Or like on CBC and Sportsnet, we're going to watch Hockey Night in Canada and then it's just like, oh, cool, like Canucks Ducks at 1030, sign me up. Do you know what I mean? Like
0: (laughs) there's just something so good about you. Remember? So David Amber, who now hosts uh, hockey night in Canada, um, was, uh, Uh, Used to be the host of After Hours, which was like that late kind of post game thing that came on after the Western game at Hockey Night in Canada. So you and I would essentially fall asleep on the couch, wake up at like one in the morning to the weirdest interview ever, which was just like basically some sweaty guy in the hallway outside of the outside of the locker room. And David Amber interviews him for an hour. And that was captivating television. But yeah, that's that's definitely hard to sell on a on a national level in America.
1: There's no question. Can we about that. can we talk about though uh Jim Houston retiring mm-hmm. yeah. after all this time? Like that's like one of those that hits you right in the field. Like of yeah. just like you know, it's like one of those staples that you just figure is gonna be calling play by play forever, you know? Mm-hmm. Um not not uh not not doing hockey games anymore, it, which is it's shocking to me sad. because
0: Bob Cole, you know, who was kind of his predecessor in terms of the national broadcast, he only retired like a handful of years ago. So right. I felt like the gap between Bob Cole and Jim Houston was quite large. You know, there was a lot Bob Cole held on a long time and then passed the reins off to Houston. And then, you know, Houston. What didn't last that much longer than Bob Cole did, actually. And, uh, you know, Jim Houston to me is the sound of NHL, you know, NHL 10, NHL 11, yeah. video games. So that's, uh, that's what I think of. But I mean, even speaking Doc of...
1: Emmerich, I mean, just sorry yeah, to true, cut you off, but true, like Doc yeah, Emmerich, yeah. like a lot of these guys are, are uh, deciding Legends. to hang him up at the same time. So.
0: Legends. Well, speaking of changes, um, you know, we've we've talked in the past about the difficulties of the Detroit Red Wings, the ups and downs, so to speak, of being a Wings fan. How's this year looking for you?
1: Um, I think it's going to be very, um, it's going to be developmental. You know, like it's, I feel like it's, it's very apt for where I'm at in my life right now. Like, you know, like my kid <laughs> does some really impressive things, but like still poops her pants. So it's like, you know, like there's some promise there, you know, she's. You know, you can see her little personality growing, her imagination run wild, and but you know, still just still needs a bib, you know, yeah. just like you know, all these kind of things. So I feel like it's going to be, uh, you know, very developmental. I honestly just feel bad for Dylan Larkin. I mean, Ooh. I to be He's honest like with you, the the, only good player on that team. I wouldn't be surprised if they traded him. I don't know, like, you know, like I, I maybe they keep him until his kind of quote unquote rookie deal is done, you know. Like, cause I mean, they're not going to be good for a few years, but. Mm. Um, it is
0: one of those situations where the timing doesn't quite line up, right? right? If he was like two, three years younger, but you do worry about losing him in free agency. Realistic yeah. possibility.
1: And, uh, you know, we got a couple first round picks who are going to be on the big club this year. So Lucas Raymond, I think is going to wow. be up there, you know. Um, Moritz Cedar. Um, I don't yeah. know if it's Cedar or Cider. I'm going to go with Cider because that's a tasty beverage. Um, so I want to see those guys because, I mean, you know, so I'll go with Cider. Let's go with it. Um, That's what uh, I hear
0: him called on on Canadian. Okay. Cause
1: that, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of hard Cider references, you know, big defensemen. So, yeah, let's go Cider. <laughs> um, he's, I mean, but Cedar's like a tree, you know, like stalwart defenseman. So, yeah, you know, whatever. And not the point. Um, cider, you know, first rounder from 2019. He's going to be on the club this year. But we also drafted his partner in crime, if you will, in the first round this year. Now, he's only like 18, 19, so he is not going to be on the club this year. But it'll be nice to see those two go together. But, uh, you know, but a, a lot of the first-round picks, you know, aren't going to be with the club. So, like I mentioned, uh, defenseman, uh, you know, Steve Eiserman also traded up to get, uh, you know, a goalie in the first round, That's which right. is – That's right. Um, which will be interesting. Now, he's like 18, so he's not going to be with the club for like five years, right? So, um but uh so it'll be interesting to see i will probably be paying way more attention to the uh you know grand rapids ahl franchise you know <laughs> and some junior hockey than i ever have before cuz the nhl club Plus is not going to well. be uh, it's probably on the ocho i would assume <laughs>
0: yeah. but, it's it's uh, it's number 19 on that list it's yeah i just didn't quite make s- it it's sandwiched between San Diego State water polo and uh, University of California at, at Fresno rock climbing.
1: Yeah, Division three cornhole. Um, but, <laughs> well, speaking of, uh, of uh, developmental leagues, maybe minor league teams of the future, what are your thoughts on the Senators this year?
0: <laughs> yeah, well said. Well, today was a really big day, Christian. We finally signed uh, restricted free agent Brady Kachuk. Um, so there, there's been existential angst in the Senator's, uh, uh, world for the last couple of weeks. Great name uh, for, a for a metal band, by the way, existential angst. Yes, we are existential
1: <laughs> angst. Anyway, Even
0: the last name Kachuk, like, yeah, you know, Chucky in the exit Chucky in the existential angst. Yeah. Yeah. it's a great band. Um, So for a long time, I mean, we, this probably doesn't belong in the banter how long I could go on about this for, but it's been a rough go with Suns fans, but more importantly, it's been a rough go with distrust and ownership who have been unwilling to sign players to long term and long money. And so Brady Kachuk, our captain of the future, was uh, feared to be getting the same treatment because of course their negotiations weren't lining up and you're not, you know, you're not a fly in the wall. You don't know what's being said behind closed doors, but today they locked him up. Um, You know, more importantly, Christian, uh, when it comes to the similarities between Detroit and Ottawa, um, we're also having trouble pronouncing uh, our new German player's name. So, you know, goes around, comes around. Um, Timmy Stutzler.
1: Schnitzel. uh, (laughs) Yeah. No, sorry. Sorry. Strudel. My bad. Strudel. uh,
0: On the media over the past year, I've heard him called Stutzler at like with that very like deliberate, you know, and here comes Kachuk down the wing, passes it to Stutzler, who takes a shot (laughs) Why? I've heard him called Stutzel, Stutzli, Stutzel, and Stutzler. So you know, we're kinda all over the board. So what is it? I think it's I think it's Stutzle. Like in Germany they would call it Stutzle and I think But it's spelled
1: S T U T correct?
0: Z yes, exactly. So Stut, Stut like Stut But there's an H in but there in, you,
1: in German. S T there's an H in that's there. That's
0: what I've heard in the in yeah, when, when they when There's they gotta they call be something on YouTube
1: of media. him being like how, yeah, how do you Stutzle say <laughs> your name? You know, yeah. and he's going to be yeah. like apple strudel.
0: Yeah. <laughs> for the first, for the first like few months uh, of training camp after he joined the team, they called him Jimmy instead of. Uh, tim his name is tim timmy timothy stutzla and they called him jimmy because they thought it would be funny so he still goes by jimmy and they're like uh what do you prefer he's like i don't care they were asking him whether he wanted the umlaut in his name on the back of his jersey he said uh i don't care so i think (laughs) as you rightly say if they asked him how to pronounce his name he'd probably say um
1: yeah just like stencil it's fine (laughs)
0: So what do you think, Christian? Should we get this thing started?
1: Let's load it up. I'm getting a reversible jacket for Christmas. I can't wait to see how it turns out. I'm Christian. That's Chris. And we're back for another episode of the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. Before we get started, as always, we'd like to thank the people who make this possible for us and allow us to do this. Uh, Producer Ryan for putting up with us every single week. Uh, We don't make his job easy, but he, uh, he he still does a phenomenal job. So thank you, Ryan. Michael Spicer Music for that wonderful original intro to the podcast, as well as all the sound effects on the show. Michael Spicer Composer on Instagram. Vishal Murthy, the vet cartoonist for all the image and branding. Um, and, of course, our wives and daughters for allowing us to do this because, as I always say, let's be real, they allow us to do this. And you, the listeners, because otherwise we'd just be two weirdos talking to each other over the internet. But at least with you guys, it's a little less weird. Chris, I got a question. <laughs> do you guys have a uh, – uh, we call a big trash day here. So, like, do you have something <laughs> where, like, your – all of your, like, uh, large – your large – like, how do you throw out a couch? Like, if you want to just, like, mm, get rid of a couch, mm, do you just mm. put it out on the side of the road and somebody come gets it? Do you have to – like, is there a particular day of the year? Like, what what, what happens?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I don't want to – I don't want to go – I don't want to talk about the differences between uh, Waterloo region and Durham region, but I will say that broadly speaking, you bring it to the dump. So when we've ever had to go through uh, big, big cleanouts, get rid of you know lamps, couches, all that stuff, you know, renovation material, anything like that, it goes in the back of the pickup truck and we drive it to the dump, and then. We essentially they you pay by weight at the dump. So we you know you you go in for free, and then you they weigh you as you come in. You unload all your shit into the dump. Uh, you do it on your own basically, but you just it's it's really cathartic. You basically just take a bunch of stuff and throw it into like like you feel like the Hulk on Mount Olympus. I'm mixing a million metaphors right now, but you throw <laughs> all of that trash into the dumpster, and then uh, you you know you pay on your way out. So for a couch that might be like, you know. Five to ten dollars, something like that, let's say ten dollars worth of weight. Um, so no, we do not have free big trash pickup where I live that's uh, that is on you
1: okay, so so in uh well, I'll say where I live, um, which I learned actually today, my wife told me is actually not a even western New York thing. it's a very like specific to my local area, but anyway, we have something that's called big Trash Day, and basically it happens. Once every three months, and so for one week, every three months, you know, you still have your typical trash day, but every day of that week is called big trash. So basically, this is the day where you can throw basically anything you want. Um, You know, appliances excluded. They have, like, specifics if you want to throw out, like, a fridge or something like that. But – and so – This just happened this past week. That's where I'm a long story, uh, you know, a long way to get to that. Uh, But we just had that this past week. And so our trash day is on Monday, uh, typically. And so what we have started doing and what everyone starts doing is basically the weekend before your even if your trash day is on Thursday, like the weekend before that, that Friday and Saturday, everybody's just putting stuff out on the curb because garbage pickers are everywhere. It must so, feel kind
0: of like a, just like a collective sort of on mass garage sale. I, I mean,
1: essentially, yeah, that's what it is. And then, you know, as you're going about your weekend, you're always keeping an eye on the pile on the side of the road to see who slows down. And like, so <laughs> one of the things, because as I mentioned in a previous episode, you know, we're getting everything ready for the twins room and all this type of stuff. And so we got rid of a chest of drawers that had uh, uh, been with my wife, you know, since her uh, undergraduate days was in fine working order. We just literally had nowhere to put it. Um and I put it out uh to the curb and I literally did not make it back into my house before, before somebody pulled up and was like, "We can take this." And I was like, "Please." And they were like, "Thank you." And it's gone. Um as another example, I uh we had a barbecue and so we it's technically not supposed to go out for big trash. It's not technically an appliance, but whatever. We figured somebody's going to take it, even though it was completely rotted on the inside. So like the burners, like where the flames come from, like if you tapped it, it would disintegrate. Like it was so Mm -hmm. rotted. It got stripped for parts in a matter of hours. Like someone just came and unscrewed the lid. (laughs) Like just took the lid with the handle on it. And I I mean, I guess metal is worth something, right? right? So anyway, so... Yeah, it typically starts kind of, like I said, the weekend leading up to it because, you know, heck, one person's trash, another is, is it, what is it, one man's trash is another man's treasure or whatever that is. <laughs> um, and uh, my wife and I actually have a couple of, like, literal pieces in our house that we got. Like, we have an armoire in our house that we literally got from our neighbors for four houses down. Um, because, and all we had to do was sand it, repaint it, and it was otherwise fine. You know, we got a couple of end tables, you know, things like that. Um I don't know if I've actually mentioned this on the show, but my wife and I, when we got the house, built ourselves a greenhouse in the backyard. So, and a veggie garden and that. My wife's super into gardening. The greenhouse is literally built, the walls are built of windows that we garbage pick over a year of big trash day. So That's really
0: cool. I like that idea.
1: So it's like, you know, one of those, you know, everyone's doing the like rustic farmhouse look things nowadays. But, um... So you're saying, Chris, like at least where you're from, that you – like you have to then load everything up and take it somewhere. Like nobody will come and, and pick it up for you. Is that correct? Yeah,
0: basically. I mean we definitely – they're definitely broadly speaking is that same kind of uh, atmosphere here of the one man's trash is another man's treasure. You know, we we definitely have that – you know, you could put something out at the end of the road and put a sign on it that says free. Right. But if nobody takes it within a week, you're loading that up in the back of your truck and taking it to the dump. So when we moved out of our last house, um, you know, we, we did that. And as you say, any single metal thing, metal lamp, you know, metal... Um, I think we had an old dryer, like literally anything metal was gone, just gone, loaded up in the back of somebody's truck who is definitely going to um, sell it for money. So that that type of thing exists. So if you have something that is either metal or has some tangible value to someone or some in good working condition, I'd say, honestly, I, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say 95% of the time that gets picked up at the end of the road. Um, but if you have something that is genuine garbage, like a not, you know, I don't know, you know moldy couch or something like that you you have to physically bring that yourself to the got it
1: all right yeah it's funny just to see you know for that like week or so just like what everyone's putting out to the curb you know what i mean it's almost like you're airing your dirty laundry or like (laughs) or your secrets or like or whatever it is or it's like the clear indication that something got upgraded so it's like the perfect (laughs) like scenario for nosy neighbors because you could be like oh Oh. Christian put out his old TV, huh? Yeah. All right, yeah. <laughs> I'll wait till next here. I'll na- wait till next week when the cardboard box for the big screen is in the is in the recycling <laughs> or or whatever it is. Um but one thing that kind of got me, you know, thinking was one of my neighbors down the street had the entire like range of their like, you know, sidewalk frontage or whatever. There were so many children's things. For so, a second.
0: Just the way you said that, the pause. I thought for a second there were just like a whole bunch of children at the end of this guy's at the end of this guy's property. You cannot you cannot trade those. That is not how this works.
1: Can't nobody nobody just comes and picks those up.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry, Kirsten. Those twins, you are stuck, my friend.
1: So then do I just take them to the dump? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you uh, gotta
0: pay. It's a whole big thing. Yeah,
1: it's a whole big thing. We gotta put them in the back of the pickup. It's yeah. But yeah, it was weird because it was All of these kids' toys, like uh, small bikes, you know, like the baby jumpers, like bassinets, like all these types of things. It was like clearly some house, whether it was people who had just moved in or whatever, or their kids have just finally outgrown those things. And so that it kind of got me thinking because it was almost like hilariously retrospective because – it's like, wow, like when you think about it, like, yeah, we don't really have anything from when we were kids. Like, really, you know, our parents probably kept a few things. Um, but it's not like we have really any of the like toys or, you know, it's not like you have your first bike anymore. And it's one of those things where I was like, just like driving down my street. And I was just like, huh. You know, not that I'm, I'm not, I'm honestly not a very materialistic person. But there are certain things that like remind you of memories so you keep them right so it's not the actual like usefulness necessarily of the object but it's what it represents if that makes sense
0: and 100% 100% i mean i'm i'm going to be straight up here christian i'm a sentimental guy i i tie emotional value to all of those things and it's something i've done ever since i was a kid i don't i don't really know why i mean you know i've i've done it with absolutely every single thing <clears throat> that that i've had at, at various points in time And uh, so, you know, quite frankly, I have my first bike, I have my first hockey stick, I have my first soccer ball, I have all of those things. My parents kept like a lot of my baby toys, which we bought some like plastic polish and uh, cleaned them all up and now our daughter uses them like every day. So yeah, I've got a lot of that shit and I mean, you know... Let's say, you know, over time, and I'm sure we'll get into this over time, it gets filtered down. Right. I mean, how many times have you had that conversation with your parents? Like I, you know, I've talked to my dad, dad, you know, you must have collected hockey cards when you were growing up in the fifties and sixties. Like you must have some really nice hockey cards. Oh yeah, totally. Um, but you know, I don't know what happened to them. You know, my mom probably threw them out when I was moving to university or something like that. And, you know, there's so many different stages in your life where things get pared down, right? You move out of your house, some stuff gets pared down. Then you move out of residence and into a house house. And your parents say, okay, what do you want to put in that house and what can be garbage? You know, and then you move to your next place and so on and so on. Until eventually you're only left with like 10% of the original. And the hope is that that 10% has sentimental value.
1: And... Yeah, it's, it's interesting because, and, and so the reason I'm kind of like bringing this up as well is because we, as I mentioned, you know, just finished a renovation. Like I said, getting the twins room ready, which was originally our room and the back room that is now our new bedroom was kind of where we just like dumped a lot of our junk, like when we, cause it was just a, an unfinished room that we didn't use because we knew we were going to renovate it at some point. And so when we're kind of going through and my wife is doing a phenomenal job, Excuse me, deep cleaning the house and, you know, um, you know, kind of paring down and she's doing a lot of purging of her own stuff. Um, Yeah, it's just kind of like it's a trip down memory lane, but then also, you know, a very, like I said, retrospective of like, do I really need this? You know, can someone else use this? Like how much like sentimental value is there really? Because I mean, I pulled out a lot of stuff and I was just like, oh, I remember this, but like I haven't thought about it in eight years. So like mm. how sentimental is it? Except for the fact that it's like right in front of me. Like, does you know what I mean? So absolutely. And so uh, now, Chris, I'm curious because you, um, well, you recently moved yourself. I mean, into your new place. I know it's been a few years, but I mean, you've, you know, recently moved, but then you also um, helped moved um, like stuff out of your, your parents' house, right? Like in, yes. from where you, you moved yes. as well and, and, and moved into that you know, is a, a new trip, place. Let me tell you. So I, did you find that you did a lot of purging? Like, did you find that there was a lot of stuff that you had to get rid of or donate? Like, what was that process like? I'm sure Man. there was, that's got to be difficult in some standpoint, cause it's like a walk down memory lane and
0: all of the above. It is both amazing and terrible all at the same time. It is an incredibly good way to give closure, though. So that house had been my childhood home since I was four years old, you know, and uh, so it had been in our family for, you know, close close to 30 years <clears throat> and, uh, you know, was something that pretty much all of my childhood memories were formed in that house. And so it wasn't just saying goodbye to the house, but things that you know, became a part of the house, you know, something that just lived in a certain room, you take that out of the room. Now the room changes, the meaning, the emotional meaning of that room changes. And now you're looking at that item in isolation and saying, does this have sentimental value to me or not? You know, I do see some value in sentimentality. You know, you say like, oh, it's something I haven't thought of for eight years. How much value does it really have? But to me, if in that moment, when you look at it eight years later, If it makes you happy and remember your childhood, which you'll never get back again, like you only get one childhood, the life that we have is the rest of the life that we have. And what I want to do in the rest of my life is just remember all the good times, you know, whenever they happen. And so if in that moment, eight years later, you remember good times that come out of it, it's an awesome thing. Now, that being said, it's awesome, but, you know, emotional. It's quite sad because you have to say goodbye to a lot of stuff. Because the limitation of sentimentality is storage space. Like if you don't have room for all of this stuff, it's all well and good to be sentimental. But it's a thin line between sentimentality and being a hoarder. So a lot of it is about being organized and paring down stuff. And so it's very hard to like look, you know, at something that you saved as a child, right? Something you brought home, thought was memorable, drew a photo, did something like that. And then to say, this is now garbage. And so, you know, you have to look at it and throw it in the garbage. And that's a very emotional moment. Um, so I would say one of the most enjoyable and toughest things we did is that when my when my mom moved out of that house, um, she basically said, okay, literally anything that's yours is going with you. And then you make the decision of what you're keeping and throwing out. And so my wife and I did that for both of our, you know, for her parents. And I did that for my house. We put everything in the basement and just step by step, individual item by individual item, piece of paper by piece of paper, marker by marker. We went through every single thing and decided to throw out or keep. Um, And I think in the end, we had something like 16 bags, uh, black bags of uh, garbage or recycling, Um, in various forms, which was incredible just to see it all lined up like that. And then we basically made ourselves a rule. We bought like eight of those big Rubbermaid bins. And we said, if they don't fit in these Rubbermaid bins, it's not staying. You know, like this is the space that you have and we can keep what we want in there. So I ended up keeping a lot of um, like little, I think the most common item would be pieces of paper that would be like, you know, Christmas cards my parents got for me when I was a kid or stuff like that, you know, arts and crafts projects that I did with them, you know, Old, you know, nice pieces of schoolwork, stuff like that. But there were also lots of like little items that I'm probably not going to look at again for like five years, ten years, you know. But when I do, it's like a time capsule, and that's kind of the way I thought about it: was that I'm making these little time capsules for me to look at for the future. Um, separately, though, honestly, the most emotional thing, the most challenging thing, and my heart goes out to anybody who has to has to do this is. You know, as we've talked about in a previous episode, my dad passed away. um, And that was one of the reasons my mom was moving out of the house. So we had all of his stuff to go through. So now we're deciding, like, what was sentimental to him, right? Like, how can I throw out something that was sentimental to him if it doesn't have sentimentality to me? So I'll give you a perfect example. You know, he was really, really into space and outer space um, and, uh, you know, particularly retro space toys. And so one year for Christmas, when I was a kid, I spent all... Autumn, researching different little vintage space toys. And I was like feeling so good about myself. It was, like the first time I had some money saved up in my bank account, and I bought him a Christmas gift of uh, one of these vintage robot toys. And it was something I kept doing for a few years. And so, you know, we clean out the house and we say, well, here are all of his vintage space toys, you know? And so now I have those on display, both a good and bad memory, you know, because I can never take back. You know, I can never go back to those times where he's proudly displaying them on his desk, but I like to think that he's proud of me for having that. You know, even things that were his and that I had never seen before. You know, my mom got him this little kind of, this little figurine, basically, of him going off to work when he started his own business for the first time. And on the little briefcase on this statuette, it has his name incorporated. And now, you know, this year I started my own business for the first time. And so now I have his statue, Proud, like it's not a statue of him. That sounds weird. This little kind of figurine uh, on my desk with Man, his now I just
1: want it to be a statue. Briefcase. Like I just want it I to know, be like know, a right? literal statue that like your wife is yeah. just like, Chris, get this off the front lawn. Like <laughs> yeah, a golden dundee. Yeah. yeah. Life like size. like oh, a bird just yeah. pooped on it. Now I got to clean it again. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we were,
0: uh, we were very, um, uh, very grandiose family. You know, I I did have to sell the marble big gestures.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Big Gestures. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, that's a long answer to your question, but you said, you know, how was that? Um, Mixed feelings, you know, really rewarding. One of the best things I've ever done. I'd super encourage anybody to go through that exercise as daunting as it is to go through all of your childhood stuff um, and as scary as it is to throw a bunch of stuff out, it really makes you feel very good. And it gives you a really nice closure moving on to your next phase of your life. Cause I think mentally you're saying, what am I taking with me? What is baggage I'm willing to take with me? And what is baggage I'm willing to throw out? And you do that physically and emotionally.
1: And that's really what my wife and I are doing right now or have been doing, because like I mentioned, we're in the process of, we just, you know, this renovation happened. And so now we have our new room, right? And so with that comes, you know, new closet, new or, you know, new space to store things. Um, and then as we're in the process of moving everything, you almost forget all the stuff you like, you know, shoved under the bed or like left in your <laughs> yes, nightstand your, your night or that type of thing. So um, for those people who know my wife well, um, it's not a surprise that her closet space was much bigger than my own. And so I had this kind of like tiny closet. I mean, it was fine for me, uh, but I mean, I had this little closet, but I knew that it wasn't going to be my closet forever. So I kind of just like kept it very poorly organized. Like my clothes were fine and hung up, but then the rest of it was kind of just like heaps of crap. And then finally, when I finally had to move out, because all of the stuff for the twins room is going in there. So the new, you know, dresser and change table that we put in the little closet, it's kind of like a little nook now and this kind of thing. I had to clear all that stuff out. And so that's exactly what it was. It was like, how much of this stuff goes down the hallway to the new room? Um, And so, yeah, it was a very interesting uh, kind of uh, concept to go through. And so it got me thinking about what is the kind of top – what is your top-rated memorabilia? Like, what are the top five things you're taking with you no matter – this stage of life. And so this is my terrible transition into a recurring segment that we all know as Countdown. And so, Chris, um, I'll go first. Um, For the
0: record, Christian, I actually like that transition. Don't be hard on yourself, man. That was great. I loved it.
1: Was it? Okay. All right. Maybe I just, you know, like I I had no confidence. I stopped, you know, I didn't stick the landing. I like, you know, shook through the whole routine. Uh, I felt like I was off with the music. But, uh, you know, the Russian judge gave me a 10. So we'll keep going. (laughs) Um, And so I started thinking about this and it, it was actually kind of an interesting you know, like I said, exercise almost. Um, and I'm sure there's something that I'm forgetting, um, which is that always happens. But um, I'll go through my top five. And then, Chris, I'm interested to hear what your top five are. So the okay. the top five, I have it labeled as childhood memorabilia. Um, it's not truly – mine aren't truly childhood. It's basically everything up until I moved to Western New York. So it's things basically like I I've, I've accrued – Until my most recent major voyage, which was across the border to Western New York. So it's nothing I've acquired since uh, living here. And it's nothing to do with my current family situation. Okay. So, uh, quick honorable mention. I have an honorable mention, which is a Polaroid photo of my best friend and I playing N64 in my basement. And uh, my best friend and I, when we were kind of eight, nine years old, we were not... uh, we were not physical specimens. Let's put it that way. <laughs> uh, we were very uh, nerdy and uncool. Um, some would argue that hasn't changed, but that's fine. Sure, um, Kristen,
0: just clarify for me again, were you at that time a clarinet soloist or...?
1: Um, oboe, get it right. Oboe,
0: sorry, oboe. Yep, my bad.
1: Um, and so we were playing Snowboard Kids on N64, and it's just one of those... Uh, pictures that I have that uh, I mean, my best friend is is still my best friend and he's uh, you know, we've both changed so much and, and, and grown into um, I mean, I think he's an amazing person. And so it's just funny to see like, that's where we came from that we were these super like, nerdy uncool kids that like played n64 in the basement and it's like we're pumping our fists in the air i don't even know who took the photo but we're like (laughs) we clearly won the race and we're like pumping our fists in the air with anyway it's just one of those like ode to uh, you know where you've been
0: and the fact to me even the fact that it is you said a polaroid right yes so like even the fact that it's a a photo on film has like that other extra aspect i was at a uh, like a game the other day and somebody asked me to take a photo of them and they handed me a disposable camera, you know, and, they, and it was like, it was just the most wild thing. Man, I, thought, I love
1: disposable you know, cameras. It's just such a shame you have to throw them out after you're done. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but anyway, so my uh, I'll go a little quicker through my other top five here, but number five is a number 10 Detroit Red Wings Alex Del Vecchio jersey. Mm. That used to be my dad's. And so my dad gave it to me. Um, It no longer fit him. Uh, So he gave it to me. But it's just one of those, again, owed to a thing I did with my dad. still do. Um, And, you know, he got me into hockey, into the Red Wings, into all that type of thing. And so, um, yeah, it's just kind of like one of my fondest memories of of my dad. Um, So that is number five. Number four is... The final ticket, um, to uh, the t- Hamilton Tiger Cats game at Ivor Stadium, and so for those of you who know the CFL, it is now Tim Hortons Field. They knocked down Ivor Wynn. It was a classic, um, just terrible stadium. You know, like benches with splintered wood, but it was like it was like Hamilton. It was it was what I remembered growing up, and I always went to the games with my godfather, um, who passed away several years ago. And so uh, I still go to the games now with like a new group of people. So um, I have that final ticket to the final game uh, of Iverwind Stadium, and I keep that uh, in a little fr- in a little frame. Um, quick aside: very close by, Chris, you might remember, is an autographed Wit Tucker photo. Oh ah, uh, yes. that, yeah, that's uh, that my very good friend, uh, Chris. Uh, got me when we were in school because there was a connection to Ottawa um, and to Whit Tucker who then played with Russ Jackson, who I know. And uh, anyway, so yes, that, that photo is, is close by. Um, so. I remember
0: it. Uh, I remember it on the dresser when we lived together, you know, yes. that dresser right by the window when we walked in. Well, I'm very happy to hear that it still has a place. And now it,
1: it is on the desk scary. in the office. So <laughs> don't worry. Um, number three is a T-ball championship trophy. That I got, we won a a championship when I I, I was probably six, and... Uh, you remember, Chris, uh, the uh, hilariousness of me playing like travel t-ball, like on a t-ball tea all-star team when I was really young. And yes. so we played in this actually international tournament, believe it or not. Um, so there were teams from all over the world. I say all over the world. It was kind of like the CONCACAF of t-ball. Right.
0: Of, <laughs> it there was wasn't... baseball. Let's be real. Right. Yeah. It, was, it wasn't, yeah. you know,
1: there wasn't a, an Italian team or anything like that. But I remember we played a team called the Turtle Club and they were from Jamaica in the championship and we won and it's this like big like completely oversized trophy um and so i keep it kind of for the hilariousness of it um but also again just an ode to um you know growing up playing baseball something in my childhood that i look back of just playing baseball in general so fondly um and so yeah i keep that um as well um because again it's like it's it's surprisingly tall like I will say that it is it is definitely over two feet tall um as a trophy, and for like a six year old like who the who the hell gives a six year old a two foot tall <laughs> trophy but anyway, i got one so um so that's number three number two is a shield that I made out of cardboard and duct tape now I used to be the director of a summer camp uh, on Lake Erie, down at Long Point, Ontario, near that area, Turkey Point, Long Point. And one of the uh, groups that we had a particular time was a group of youth uh, that came. And um, so I was one of the youth leaders as the director. Um, And so one of the things that we did was essentially, um, I guess the kids today call it LARPing, Right. What? Live, what is LARPing? Live action role play. So you basically like dress okay. up as a character and go out into the real world, but just like as your character. So anyway, well, our big I learned,
0: like... I learned something new today. Our
1: big joke was we were making these shields and we, we dressed up as medieval knights and we all had stupid medieval knight names. And we went to like a bunch of random... Like we went to a bowling alley, but we had to stay in character no matter what. And we had a rule that every time we entered a room, you had to announce your own uh, entrance. So I was, <laughs> I was, I was, I was Sir Christian, the circumferential charismatic. Um, and why I remember that, I don't know. But every time I walked through a door, I had to be like, Sir Christian, the like, you know, and everyone had to do it. So of course there's, were like, you know, a bunch of college kids and then teenagers like rolling into a bowling alley, like dressed like this, you know, anyway, it's just one of my fond memories. I was, a, I worked at that camp for over 10 years and in the summers and was the director there and had a lot of great memories, a ton of just. Wonderful people that I'm still great, great friends with, um, one of which who I met there was actually the uh, actually the officiant at my wedding. So that just goes to show kind of Get one of the people here. who I who I That's met cool. through that avenue. And uh, so anyway, so I still have this shield. Um, it's yellow with a big red cross down the middle. I kind of went slightly Templar with it. And uh, with like a duct tape rim. And I have a still have a cardboard duct tape sword with uh, aluminum foil on it to try to be like shiny. My wife hates it because it follows me everywhere. And she's like, when are you going to throw this out? And I'm just like, never. I will die on this shield. <laughs> um, and so anyway, reminds me of good times. But the number one uh, piece of uh, sentimental memorabilia I bring with me is um, my bunny rabbit that I had as a very, very small kid. And his Mm. name was Babbitt. So he was Babbitt the rabbit. And there are multiple iterations of Babbitt. I think I lost one at one point and then found him, but then my mom replaced it. Um, My mom tells a story about how I used to suck my thumb as a kid. And so um, I would hold Babbitt and put the ear of Babbitt over my nose um, so I could suck my thumb underneath and and tell my mom, don't worry, mom, nobody can tell. Because I have <laughs> Babbitt. And so he was kind of my my comfort zone, my uh, you know, that I, you know, went to bed with every night and that type of thing. Um, and so I still have Babbitt. Um, and Babbitt actually sits now on a shelf in my daughter's room above her crib. So uh now Babbitt is um into the next generation of uh, of, uh, of children in, in my, in my family. So those are my top five, um, kind of sentimental memorabilia, um, objects, but Chris, I'll throw the floor to you. Cause now I really want to know what yours are.
0: Well, uh, my friend, I'm glad that you took a little bit of time saying that because it gave me some time to work on mine. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm, I am actually – I had a, a list going beforehand, but the problem was the list had like 50 things on it, and so I've just been trying to like pare down. Right. So I've tried – in an effort to pare it down, I followed I followed the proposed rules to the letter, which were things that I've brought with me everywhere I went. So basically from the moment I acquired it, it has stayed with me. So that gotcha. means, you know, if it, if I took, got in elementary school or high school, it came with me to residence, you know? So like that level of bringing it with me. Gotcha. Um, so, okay, here's what I got. So, um, number five on the list, probably the least, the one that would make the least, the least sense objectively is a little, um, you know, stress balls. You remember how stress balls used to be like a really big thing in yep. the late nineties, early 2000s. So I had a stress ball that was a cow. So it wasn't a ball, but it was like a squishy foam stress, you know, object. It's a little cow named Bessie. When I was a kid, when I was a really little kid, one of our cats, uh, bit into Bessie and like took out part of her back. Um, and Bessie has always had this little piece of foam missing. And when I was growing up, she sat on top of my PC computer monitor. You remember those big boat CRT monitors that were like two feet out the back? Like it had it had serious back, you know? Yeah. Um, my, uh, yeah, so Bessie sat on top of that. Bessie came with me to, uh, to residence, sat on top of my computer there when we lived together in that house. Was with me there. Lost her for like a year or two, which was a huge bummer, and then refound her again. And so now she is, uh, I mean, there's not enough room on the top of these computers to sit her anymore, but uh, she sits on a shelf. But each of those little pieces, the cat bite out of her back and all of those things, they give you memories, right? You know, I think of sitting at that computer, you know, back in 2001 or whatever. Um, and, uh, and so just those memories come with you, even if the object in itself doesn't, doesn't carry a lot. Water. Right. So next, uh, this was a tough one. I had this kind of broad category of hockey memorabilia. I mean, you know, that I, f- you know, uh, collect and have collected a lot. That's of probably 45
1: of the 50 objects you had lined <laughs> yeah, up.
0: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Honestly, I, you know, so many things, um, you know both both sort of objective collectors' items, but also ones that were just important to me. Kind of the way you mentioned your Ivor ticket stub, um, things like that. So um, what I picked out of that long list of things, uh, I narrowed it down to two things. So the 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 runner up was. Do you remember Christian? Um, so you remember the the Winter Olympics and how the NHL finally participated in the Winter Olympics. Um, but then, to make sort of a competing entity from which they would make money, the NHL made the World Cup of Hockey, right? Of which there have been a few iterations, but most notably when we were growing up in 2004. So 2004 was, you know, kind of one of those transition phases in your childhood where you go from being a little kid, you know, to to a bit more of a teenager, right? And so that was the time when you start thinking about what career I'm going to have, where I want to go in life, things like that. So my dad back then had a fax machine, as I'm sure some people still do, Woo! but had a usable fax machine. And he got faxed um, a, a document from what at that time I think was just barely the ACC, Air Canada Centre, um, which was the ticket prices for the two thousand and four World Cup of Hockey, where you could apply to get tickets, and they were crazy expensive. I mean, I mean back then, and I mean we're talking twenty years ago. They were like seventeen hundred dollars for you know one for two tickets to one game, that type of thing. Crazy expensive, and I remember printing that out and sticking with a pushpin in the wall with a little post it attached to it, something to work for is what I wrote on it, uh, which at the time I probably thought was like the deepest thing ever. You know, I think there's that Reddit (laughs) subreddit, which is like, um, I'm 13 and this is so deep. Yeah, basically like that, you know, that I thought that uh, it was super deep saying that it was something to work for. But, you know, that has stayed with me and I've brought that everywhere I've gone. And now I do spend a fair bit of my disposable and come on, go into hockey games and just do it with my wife now. Um, so that was the runner up. But what I actually picked um, was Matt Bradley signed hockey cards. So Matt Bradley was a kid I played road hockey with when I was a kid. He was about six years older than me. Um, so when I was a little kid, he got drafted to the OHL. And because he lived on our street, we thought he was like, the god amongst men. You know, he was just the greatest, yeah. the greatest person. And so um, he made it to the NHL and he never forgot about us. And he always brought us signed hockey cards and stuff in the summer and came to say hi. And I uh, I always brought those with me anywhere I went because they were a reminder of my childhood, but also something that I just thought was objectively pretty cool. So those are the first two things. Uh, number three on the list. Um, again, this one, this one might seem a uh, um, you know, a little bit, uh, a little bit odd. But when I was an undergrad, um, I lived in a house with uh, seven of my, you know, now really, really, really close friends, people you've met every single one of them, Christian, um, you know, people who stood beside you and me at, at my wedding. Um, and uh, so one year when Marvel was still really big, do you remember when the first Avengers movie came out? Like how big a deal that was before anybody had even heard of the Avengers?
1: That seems like so long ago.
0: Yeah. So we all dressed up as the Avengers and I was Thor. And so I had to make a hammer of Thor. So I, uh, I think I skipped my afternoon classes that day. I went That's to the hardware store. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll get into that in a future episode. Um, and I, had, I got like uh, air conditioning duct tape, you know, cause it looks very metallic, you know, and I, I wrapped it around the top. And uh, it was one of those things where like, you know, you finish the night, you have a great night together, you get out of your costume, you toss the hammer in the closet, and then it's just kind of there. You think, well, I'm not going to throw it out. I put so much time into it. And then you move out and you think, ah, should I throw this out? Nah, it's going to come with me. And it just keeps coming with you. You know, and you don't really realize why until you get there and you're like, I've kept this for a really, really long ass time. And I think to me, it's one of those things where our parents look back on Star Wars when Star Wars first came out and how big a deal it was. And if my dad was like, yeah, I kept my C-3PO costume from when I went out, you know, with my friends.
1: That would be legit.
0: Yeah, right. And so I kind of see it the same way. Like we have photos of us as the Avengers. There's a photo of me, like we're all getting together for that night and I'm like working on my Thor hammer. And so I still have that hammer. Thor comes with me everywhere I go. Uh, number two uh, was something that you you saw me get um, right before I moved to San Diego. And then I have brought it with me like Absolutely. I brought it to San Diego. I brought it to the apartment that I lived in when I came back. Then I brought it to our house when we moved. Then I brought it to this house and so on and so on. Um, Probably one of my most treasured possessions in my life so when we finished uh, veterinary school, there was a little sort of prom that we did, and there was like a little kind of uh, fake awards night, you know, most likely to dot, dot, dot type of thing that you'd see in the yearbook. And so, um, you know, I, I had won some other awards up to that point in time for internal medicine and stuff like that, that, you know, I was proud of, but they were academic things. Um, whereas this was a little award that was had to be nominated and voted on by our peers, by our friends. And um, it was just this tiny little otherwise unmemorable piece of paper printed out um, where the award that I got was the, the veterinarian who you would most want to care for your own pet. Um, and so that was what our class had, had picked. And, and because of what it meant and who voted on it, it meant so much more to me than any award I ever got from a teacher, from a school, as a scholarship, anything like that. Um, it was just literally something that somebody put in Microsoft Word and printed out, but it, it is one of the most memorable and life-changing things I've ever received. Um, So that has come with me everywhere we've gone. And I always look back at it if I'm ever feeling really bad about our profession or about our life or about, you know, if I'm feeling down, I look at that and I think, you know, I made a good decision in life.
1: For what it's worth, I didn't vote for you. (laughs)
0: Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it.
1: (laughs) No, I hold on. I absolutely did. I absolutely did. The joke just doesn't land if I say I did.
0: (laughs) Um, and then number one is something that we talked about in a previous episode. It was the first item on the list because it was like the first thing that I remember bringing everywhere, um, which is anything, any medal I ever got from Reach for the Top. So uh, Reach for the Top has uh, meant a lot to me in my life. The sort of organized quiz competitions made a lot of friends was really where I think I found my First confidence, you know, the first time I felt like, oh, I'm good at something um, was in reach for the top. And so as we progress through that, you know, starting with just tiny little, I think my first medal was second place Ottawa region junior intermediate tournament. You know, but then to see it go from there to like provincials and nationals and and university and so on. um, Those give me big flashbacks, big memories um, and really positive memories. So those were the ones that uh, those are my five memorabilia objects that have come with me um, all through high school, uh, you know, residence, um, um, living on my own for the first time, you know, moving to a new country, all those things. Um, those have come with me. Honorable mention, though, Christian, I just have to toss it in here is uh, amongst that hockey memorabilia is I have that scoring book that you and I bought, I think, somewhere in the outskirts of Baltimore to make sure that we could score every single baseball. Yeah, game that I we still saw have that
1: together. I still and, have that. Uh,
0: you know, as I look through it, you know, um, cause you and I traded off scoring, like I started scoring, but then, you know, you were, you're very good at scoring as well. And so, you know, you very, you volunteered to do some of it. And so as I flip through it, I see your handwriting in there and stuff like that. And it just, uh, gives me some really positive memories. So this was a, a great topic, Christian. And I thank you very much for, uh, for suggesting it because it gave me a nice trip down memory lane
1: I was just about to say a nice trip down uh, a nice trip down memory lane but uh, we'll take a break here on the Dad Joke Loading Podcast hit us up with your memorabilia stuff uh, Dad Joke Loading Podcast on Instagram at Loading Dad on Twitter Dad Joke Loading Podcast at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you Uh, but we'll take a quick uh, break here and uh, in honor of Big Trash Day when we come back we're going to talk some trash but that'll be next here on the Dad Joke Loading Podcast I'm Christian that's Chris we'll be back in a minute Hey, Michael Spicer here. I'm a sound designer and a composer. I have a sound library that's metaphorically bursting at the seams. Oh! Uh, Look at all these sounds all over the place now. Like this typewriter. Whoa, look at him go. Glass breaking. Watch your feet. Body falls. It's just a guy falling. If you need sounds or music for your project, go to michaelspicermusic.com!
0: Welcome back to the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. I'm Chris, here with my friend Christian, and we are ready to close out the show. Christian, I have a few jokes here, my friend.
1: Ooh, I love it when you have a few jokes. I, coincidentally, also have a few jokes.
0: Hot damn. Well, I'll tell you, my jokes are like a guy who's shirtless and shoeless walking into a McDonald's. They are trashy as hell.
1: Yeah, my jokes live in a trailer park. All right, let's go. (laughs)
0: Hey, Christian, do you know what kind of training you need to become a trash collector? i don't i mean you don't need a whole lot you kind of pick it up as you go (laughs) uh, like like dad jokes are already you know a little bit contrived but when you're finding them for one specific topic (laughs) you know you end (laughs) up with a, a pretty small pool of candidates
1: hey chris why did the banana forget to take out the garbage
0: Hmm. Uh it sounds like an LSD trip. I don't know, Christian. Why did the banana forget to take out the garbage?
1: Slipped his mind.
0: <laughs> I like it because it's trash taking out the trash. That's what's what, weird what we yeah. about that one. Dad, why did you throw all of my belts in the garbage? Well, they're waste products. <laughs>
1: uh, uh. Hey uh Chris, how rich are garbage collectors? Hmm,
0: I don't know how rich are garbage collectors. Filthy. <laughs> I like that. Filthy is just a great word. Hey, Christian, where do cowboys take their garbage?
1: I want to say there's like a roundup component. Roundup. I, I'm not sure. What where do they take their oh, garbage? They,
0: they take it to the dump diddy dump diddy dump diddy dump. <laughs>
1: um hey chris what do you call speaking of filthy rich garbage collectors what do you call the money your garbage business earns
0: probably not too laundered i don't know what do you call that
1: not too laundered get out of here you dad joked my own dad joke um it's gross revenue
0: (laughs) top-notch delivery You know, just because you're trash doesn't mean you can't do great things. It's called a garbage can, not a garbage cannot.
1: (laughs) So terrible. (laughs) Um, All right, this is my last one. Um, You know, I had a job as a garbage collector, but it was really depressing. Yeah, I was often down in the dumps.
0: (laughs) That is amazing because that was my exact last joke too. So that is a perfect place to end it. Um, Thank you everybody for joining us this week on the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. I'm Chris here with my friend Christian. Uh, We'll be back with you next week uh, to chat some more. I'd like to, as always, thank everybody who helps make this possible. Producer Ryan, Vishal Murthy, the vet cartoonist, Michael Spicer from Michael Spicer Music, and our wives and daughters. Wonderful, beautiful. We love you so much. Thank you for everything. Hit us up, dad Loading podcast at gmail.com, at loading dad on Twitter, and Dad Joke Loading Podcast on Instagram. So thank you very much for being with us and we'll see you again next week. Have a good one.